message called, called um, Defend It or Be Defeated. This is a very, a very small um, uh, little excerpt I'm going to talk about this person that you may not have even, you haven't probably even ever heard of or in his story and what, what he's doing. Um, it, it's taken from 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8 through 12. It says, these are the names of the mighty men of David. David had 30 mighty men, but he had three people that, that were really the mightiest of those men. And they were all misfits. That's what I love about David's mighty men, is that they were all misfits. They weren't, they weren't the, most, the most clean, the most well-spoken, the most elegant, the most studied. They, they, a lot of them were, had been in trouble, and they, they had turned their life over to God, and they were just misfits, but they were mighty. And they turned around the, what they had, and they turned to, to, to really focus on God. And it says, the ta Tashamite that sat in the chief among the captains the same was Adino the Esnite he lifted up his spear against 800 people who he slew all at one time and after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo <laughs> how'd you like to have that name are you a Dodo yeah yeah that's that's, that's my that's my name um are you are the Dodo the Ahunite um, and one of the three mighty men of David, and they defiled the Philistines that were gathered together to battle. Um, and the men of Israel were gone away. So every time there was a battle, these Philistines would come, and all the Israelites, they would just, just tuck tail and run. They were scared. It's just so, they, so they're going away. He arose and smote the Philistines. This, this, this one guy here, he smote, rose and smote the Philistines until um, his hand was weary and his hand was clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned to him only after to get the spoil. And then here's my, 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 the one I'm talking about today. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herodite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, and there was a piece of ground full of lentils, beans. And the people fled from the Philistines. But Shammah stood strong in the midst of the ground and defeated it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord brought a vi great victory. This cat named Shammah fought over a bean patch, not, not a, a pot of gold. <laughs> it was a bean patch. And he said, you ain't going to have my bean patch, right? And he stood there, you know. And you may say, well, why in the world did he do that? Well, he knows the enemy, and he knows the Philistines. If they take his bean patch, they're going to take his corn patch. And then they're going to try to take his cattle. Then they're going to take his barn and then his house and probably even his family. They wanted to slay all the Israelites, right? And so he came to where he said, like, that's it. You're not doing it. This is just a little bean patch. may mean nothing to you, but I'm going to stand strong, and I'm going to fight here. It's time that we decide that we're going to stand on our bean patches, and we're going to fight our, our little piece of land, and we're going to fight for, for, for that and fight for it and not give it up to the enemy. Now, this message is not political, so don't try to make it. I'm not talking about I'm going to fight to wear my mask or fight to be vaxxed. I'm not, that's, that's, that's not nowhere where I'm even thinking, okay? So don't even let that play into your mind when I'm talking about staying your ground on that, okay? I'm talking about spiritually. That's a problem with Christians today. We've got too carnal mind and got too political rather than spiritual. If you stay more in the spiritual than you do in the political, you'll win most of your battles. Right? See, oh, it got quiet, didn't it? Right? Uh-huh. But see, we, we have slipped over to being a political Christian rather than a Christian of, of God. Okay? And so we need, we need to do that, and we've got to stand up. And, and what, is your, what, what, what may be your, your, your patch today? What may be your little piece of field that you're standing strong on? Maybe, maybe it's your mind. You're, you know, maybe it's your, your purity. Maybe it's your job. 
Maybe it's your morals. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe it's your mental health. You know, maybe it's something else, your finances, whatever. Well, what is it that you're standing on and say, no, Satan, you will not. One of the things that we know as a group today, we are all standing on is for the life of, of, of Jay. Jay O'Dell, we are standing. No, 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 you, you're not, and this is it. You're not, you're not going to take him. And we're believing that, and we're fighting for that. Ephesians 6.13 says, um, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having to done all to stand, stand. That, when I read that scripture this week, it flipped on me. Because I've always read it, you've done everything you could do, just wait. But when I, when I put it into context of this message, when you've done all you can do to stand, and you're backed into a corner, stand. But, but I, in, this, in the context of this message and for this concept, that scripture means to me is stand. Ready to fight, fight for what you, you've done everything else you can do. You're backed up. Now it's time just to stand and you have to fight. So sometimes standing is standing your ground is what I'm saying. So today we got to look at our lives and say, you know what, we got because that's, that's a problem with a lot of Christians. They're not standing their ground in the spiritual realm. See, there's a time that we all have to be able to stand up and not back down. This text talks about, the, the, you know, that, that, that Shammah and these other, these other guys would not back down. It was a time of harvest for, the, for, for um, the Israelites. And so they had all their fields and stuff. And what would happen was the, the, these troops of Philistines would come in and they would just rampage and, and they would just, just stomp and just tear up the ground and just destroy the harvest. And they would just kill whoever was in their way if they would not let them by. And they weren't, their, their job was to, to inflict casualties on everybody and eradicate the Israelites. That's what they wanted to do. They were coming to kill, steal, and destroy, literally. But, you know, and, and, and David and his men had been fighting the Philistines for a long time. You know, David, all the way back to when he was a little, little teenager, young teenager, he fought the Philistine Goliath. And ever since then, he was fighting Philistines. And him and his 30 men went around, and they just went taking on these Philistines and, and, and trying to, to take them out, right? But another reason why they wanted to try to take his crops was because they were fighting against them. And they said, if we could take their crops and destroy their crops and destroy their protein and destroy things that they eat, then they'll be hungry and they'll be weak. And then we can really take them in battle and we can defeat them. So the enemy wants his very best to get you weak in the spirit. He wants, you, he wants to take your ground so you can lose ground in the area of your life so he can defeat you and cause you to be weak so you can't fight back. That's why sickness comes. You know, it causes us to be weak in our spirit, right? And so they, they try they come and try to come and, and, and trample the, the crops. And when they came, everybody just just tucked tail and ran. They just all would just they just would run away. They were scared. They, were, they ran in fear. They were terrified. Nobody was willing to stand up except for Shammah and his three friends. Shammah was right there and he took a stand on that field. And on 9-11, there was a bunch of first responders that, that took a stand and went into those buildings knowing, you know what, this, you may take, it, take the rest of it down, but I'm going to be in here trying my very best to take and save people, to bring people out. And there was a lot of first responders that took a stand that day and said, I am here to fight. I am here to, to do my best to, to, get, to get everybody I can out of these buildings. On Memorial Day, we celebrate a lot of, a lot of um, soldiers that, that have went and stood their ground you know, on a, in a bunker. Or, or, or coming up to a, a, a beach, 
you know, or, or maybe staying stand somewhere and charging a hill or taking out a bridge and, and fighting. They stood their ground. They stood up for their friends around them and said, no, the enemy, you're not going to take any more of this land. And we've buried a lot of heroes that were willing to take a stand for land and for freedom and, saying, you know, and for our liberty and saying, we're going to fight for our freedom and our liberty and freedom of religion, right? You know, and the second focus of, of the message was in Ephesians 6. It reminds us that, that, that yes, there are some things in our, our physical life that we need to stand for. But, but Paul was talking about the spiritual conflict that we're in. That we need to stand strong and fight against the enemy, Satan himself and his demons and, and the imps and the powers of the air because of the fact that they are raging across trying to destroy us and get us as Christians weak and taking little pieces of our land, taking our peace, taking our joy, taking our faith, taking, our, taking all these. And they can take each little bit of land. If you look at each one of those as a piece of land, they take that land and before long they have everything you got. And you're weak and you can't fight no more because they, he owns it. Because when, because when you're just walking in sin and you're walking in sin, do you know you're giving the Satan access to you? When you're, you're giving him access, you're like, okay, I'm sinning. So that gives us access for the enemy. That's why the Word of God says don't, don't, don't give the enemy a foothold. Because once you put a foot in the, you know, put, when you put a foot in the door, they, you can just stand there. They just can't close the door, right? And that's how it is with the enemy. He'll put his foot right there, and he'll try to take every little piece of land he can. And if you just stand there and you won't fight, then he'll just mentally talk to you and try to mentally take your joy, your peace, all these things from you. And it's obvious that we're losing ground, you know, as, as Christians a lot, a lot of times. A lot of Christians are giving up and quitting. But that's because they are not fighting over what? Jehovah Nisi, our banner. The banner over me is love, right? The, 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 we talked about that last week. The banner of victory. So I want to tell you five quick things that I've observed through, through this little itty-bitty scripture here that nobody really talks about a lot. Number one, Satan is actively taking ground from you. Verse 11a says, And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop um, where the piece, a piece of the ground was full of lentils. See, these Philistines were barbaric. They were pagan. They were cruel. They were evil. They worshipped idols. And they came so hard to, to all they tried to do was to just come just and just take over all this land. The Israelites had Saul for a little while, and they were winning a lot of battles, and then Saul was disobedient to God, and then him and his, chil him and his children um, were defeated by the Philistines on Mount Geboa. Their bodies were brutally desecrated by these evil people. Every believer is called to stand on their inheritance, their future, their little plot of real estate, their influence of Jesus. And you may perceive that it's not important. But if you belong to God, then everything about you belongs to God, and every piece of your mind, your mental capacity belongs to God, and it's important, and it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for your peace. It's worth fighting for your joy. It's worth fighting for, for love. It's worth fighting for your children. It's worth fighting for your home. It's worth fighting for your family. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. He desires to take your life. He, he desires to take your, your calling. He desires to take your ministry. He wants to take it from you. And as soon as he takes it from you, then he's going to say, so you're not even doing nothing for God no more. You know, it's ever, ever since we've had the COVID, we've had, a, you know, a lot of volunteers that are not volunteering anymore. And the enemies have stolen your calling to volunteer and to help with greeting, to help with, with the kids, and to help with this and that and the other. And now you're sitting there, and the devil's taking that piece of land, and it's time for you to walk up back up to that land 
and, and, and take that land back. Take your calling back. Take your, take your life back. You know, he's taking some of your joy and your mental health. You need to walk up to that, that land and say, no, Satan, you're not going to take that from me. I'm gonna you know what? But it's already given up. No, but that don't mean you can't go fight and take it back. That's why it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. The gates of, you, the gates of hell are not going to come to you, Right? You go to the gates of hell, and you kick down that door to the gates of hell and take back what the enemy stole from you. Remember that song? I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Remember that? I took back what he stole from you. Remember that? I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. You remember that? That's, that's awesome. So that's what we got to do. we got to go to the gates of hell and take back what the enemy has stolen from us and say, no, you took it. You didn't have a right to have it, and now I'm taking it back. I'm taking my family back. I'm taking my children back. I'm taking whatever back, my peace back. I'm taking it back. So what is your field of lentils? And in that little, it didn't look like a lot there. It's just, it, and I'm sure that the Philistines are like, dude, this is like a bean patch. Really? But like I said, he wasn't thinking about that. He was thinking about all else he could lose if he gave that up. And we look at it the opposite. Well, it's just a little sin. I can just give up this little bit right here. And, you know, I'm, I go to church. I serve. I'm saved. And we, we, we give up. We, we, we compromise with the devil and just give him just a little piece of our land. And it's like, okay, that's all I want for now. And then he lets you deal with that a little while. Then later on he comes back to you and he, you compromise and you bargain with him. And he wants to take more and more. So, you know, at that fight, at that moment, it's, it's where the warriors are made and saints are proven during that time of your commitment to the kingdom of God. You know, observation or number two that I want to talk about is Christians are giving up ground. They are deciding to flee rather than to stand and flight. Fight, sorry. Stand and fight. Verse 11b says, and the people fled from the Philistines. See, they were controlled by fear. They, were, they had given in. They had quit. They had, they had been defeated in their mind already. Before the Philistines got there, they in their mind had said, they said in their mind, if the Philistines come, I'm leaving. They've already decided that. That's why it's important to stake your ground ahead of time and say, you know what? If this happens, I'm not moving. Go ahead and decide today. When the enemy comes to my house, and he tries to take my kids, when he tries to take my mental health, when he tries to take my family, my fi I'm not going to give it up. Because if you wait till he shows up, Fear is going to grab you, and you're going to lose it. Praise God. We're controlled by fear. And I'm sure there was pressure on Shammah to give up. Come on, Shammah. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's leave. Just leave it, dude. And he's like, no. No, I'm done. Anybody ever been done before? You know, I'm done. I'm done being picked on. I'm done being bullied on. I'm done. I'm done. These people trying to rampage and just run over my life. Rampage. You, get it? you know, run over my life. He was in my youth group whenever it, we were a youth group called Rampage, and so that's why I said that. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it until I said it, but anyway, oh, squirrel, okay. <clears throat> Christians today are falling into sin, and they're compromising their values. They are, the, the Christians today are just giving up. They're taking their mind off of God, and they're getting their mind on politics. They're getting their mind on this and on that and all the things that are in the world today, and they're getting their mind off of the world. They're reading more of the news than they are of the Bible. And they're being sucked into that. And, and, the, and, and, the, and they're reading, they're looking at all this YouTube stuff and all this kind of stuff. And have, most all of it's not true. But anybody, now all you got to do is get on YouTube and act like you know what you're doing. Get a good background, get some good graphics on there and say something with authority. And it'll go, it'll go viral in a heartbeat. 
Nobody even looks at it no more. Nobody even says, is that true? Is that not true? You know what? This is true. And this is all that's true. This is all we can depend upon, guys, is this. This is the only thing that will stay and has stayed for over 2,000 years. It's the only thing that has tried and true and never failed. But rather than, than but here the problem is, is when Christians surrender, here's the problem today in America with Christians. Instead of admitting to it and, and repenting, they defend themselves. Well, listen, here's the situation. We re, we've redefined sin to be something that is acceptable sometimes. We, we've, we've got to the place where sin sometimes is, well, it's not really a sin. Well, it doesn't, you, you, can, you can sin if you really, it doesn't really affect you in your spiritual walk. Well, if it's sin, it does. We've redefined grace to be something to abuse. We've redefined grace to say, well, I'm saved by grace, so therefore, I, you know, it's not a big deal. I know God's already forgiven me for all, you know, it's this one, this one time, you know, and we made sin in our life something that is just palatable. Something that is just, you know, well, you know, it's just not as bad as I used to think it was. I'm not as, you know, yeah, you know, the, the word says for all have sin. So that means I'm going to sin. So why can't I just choose my sin? Oh, snap. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> but that, that's what I, <laughs> I tell y'all, I say something I didn't plan a lot of times. But I liked it. But that's true, though. We're, we're, you know, we, we get to the place like I'm going to I'm going to choose where where I'm a little weak at. And you know what? And and, and I, my, my spiritual mother always said, um, Jeannie Mayo, she would say, what you do in moderation, others do in excess. And so you as a pastor, when, whatever you do in the morals and the stuff that you have, whatever you yield to and you do in moderation, people, other people are going to say, well, I'm not the pastor. So if he does that, then I can even do this. So you as a leader. You as a Christian, when you do stuff in moderation, well, I just cuss just a little bit. Well, then they're, gonna, then they're just going to go off the deep end. You know, whatever you do in, in, in moderation, then they're going to do in excess because they're following you. And that's why I have to be so careful. That's why there's a lot of things that's not even really sin in my life that I don't do because I'm trying to set an example. There's nothing wrong with some of the stuff that I don't do that you do. But I'm trying to set an example because I don't want you to go off when I'm in, doing something in moderation and you feel like you could do it in excess. Titus 2 and 12 says that we were reminded about God's grace and instructs us to, to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. It tells us that, that, God, that God's grace teaches us to live soberly, sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Paul was all around it. Paul was talking all about it. Our lack of faith and compromise of failures in Christians does not excuse us just because other, well, they did it, well, they fail, they're a good Christian, and they do that. So, like I said, we'll do it moderately. You see somebody else do something, you're like, well, I could do that too. But we can't make an excuse that because they did, we did. Now, the third, the third thought is the fields, there are fields in your life that are worth defending. Verse 12a, but, those, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended and slew the Philistines. See, I've seen, I've seen some great losses in America in my time. Here in a couple of weeks, I'll be 54. Happy birthday. So anyway, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. Okay. Squirrel. Here we go. That's twice. One service. So anyway, but the thing is, is that, that, that we've had, we've had um, schools give up prayer. You know, universities push God out. You just can't go to any school or any university you want to now necessarily and go pass out tracts like you used to be able to. 
You know, if you're a commencement speaker, at, you're going to do it at a graduation, they tell you, hey, don't use the name of Jesus. You know, even as a chaplain at a police department and a sheriff, a lot of times they'll ask us to be careful on how we present ourselves. You know, and the enemy is trying his best to, to put, a, put a muzzle on us. They're trying very hard to get us to not to be able to preach and, and say anything. They're trying to say a lot of stuff. When we preach the Word of God, they're trying to say a lot of it's hate speech. And a lot of them are trying to very, their very best in this world to try to get us to, to, to cower to that. Today in this nation, you can, you can lose your job or get canceled, you know, for speaking something. And there's a lot of people that, 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 that get canceled, and I think say stuff ignorantly that are not aware. It does, does not make it right, but I want to say it as a person didn't really know. They weren't, you know, that, that they need to learn. They need to grow. They need to sit down and have conversations with people. They need to have conversations and learn and do the background check stuff. But the thing is, is, is a lot of times people get canceled, and there's like, wow. We got to be careful. You got to be careful what you say. The Ten Commandments. They're trying to take the Ten Commandments down everywhere. Charlton Heston was Moses. Anybody saw the Ten Commandments? He was Moses, you know, in the Ten Commandments, and he was a uh, uh, made a statement at the National Rifle Association because um, he was a big civil rights man and saw saw gun advocacy as a natural extension of civil liberties. And at an NRA rally, okay, this does not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about if you agree or disagree with guns, but I want you to hear what he said. Um, Charlton Heston defiantly hoisted a rifle in the air and vowed to his opponents that they would have to pry it out of his hand, his cold, dead hands. As a child of God, what are you willing to hold up in the air and say, you're not going to have my family out of my cold, dead hands, Satan? You're not going to have my mind. You're not going to have my peace. You're not going to have my finances. You're not going to have my joy. You're not going to have the, what, what is it in your life that you are willing to stand and raise up right in the face of the enemy and says, out of my cold, dead hands. There's a field of personal holiness that, and purity that we got to go after, that sanctification that we talked about last week. The enemy wants you to know and wants you to not know. He wants you to feel like that sanctification is not really that big a deal. You're saved. My God, what else do you want? Right? He wants to make you put, play it down. Ephesians 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be the God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual things in heavenly places in Christ, according, according as he hath chosen us and before the foundation of the world, we should be holy without blame before him in love. We don't need to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, the renewing of our mind, not be conformed by the vulgar values of this world. God's people... Um, do not know their Bibles. As I said a while ago, there's, there, there's a, Bible, a Bible illiteracy that's, that's, that's beginning to where, where people are not reading their Bibles anymore. They're not learning about God. They come to church, and that's the only Bible they get. You know, and, and they're going home, and, they're, and they're, 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 their kids are not learning the Bible. Their kids are not reading the Bible. You know, I've been talking to, 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 to Grayson and Amanda, and, and, and we want to make sure that even in our nursery that those kids back there are hearing a Bible story. I don't care how simple it is, a, a Bible story, something, something that those kids, you know, that little Dallas, was, you know, not too long ago, he went home and told his mom and daddy that Jesus had two fish and five loaves. That, that's good. That's a start. I, I don't care what it is. He learned something about the Bible, learned the importance of the Bible, that the Bible is holy and the Bible is good. Most Christians could tell me more about their fantasy football team's fashion, more about the politics of today, more about the, the Marvel movies and the money bar market and the stock market than they, could, than they could tell me if I asked them. All that, they could tell me all kind of stuff. Or about Star Wars or whatever about gaming. But if I said, name the first four books of the New Testament and Old Testament, they can't do it. 
but they can tell me everything else about the world. We're getting illiterate. We're going to have a generation soon that probably ain't even going to be able to, 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 even, to even quote John 3.16 because they don't even know what it is. We've got to be careful. There's a fervency that we're losing. How long has it been since you have rejoiced over a prayer that God answered? Not just said, you know, hey, oh, thank, that's good. Man, God answered prayer. But I'm talking about rejoiced about it. When's the last time that you have wept over a soul that was going to go to hell? That someone, it broke your heart so bad that someone was going to hell that you wept over it. When's the last time that, here, here's a big one. When's the last time that you have, that you have got upset at yourself for sinning? I'm talking about the, after you, the moment you sin, ugh. I've done that before. I, 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 I have, I've, I've let myself slip or I've done something wrong or I had a, a bad attitude. And I'm like, oh, I, mean, I literally just, just, just makes me mad. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It makes me mad that I sin. I know we're all going to sin, but that don't mean that it don't make me mad when I do because I don't want to sin. But when's the last time that you just got upset that you did sin? Most of them, oh, man. Okay, well, God forgive me. What? We've lost our passion for Christ. We've lost our first love. We let this world and this thing to this world. And why? Because the enemy's just sitting there, just taking a little itty-bitty steps closer and closer, taking your land. And you're just letting, you're not pushing him away. You're not resisting him. You're just letting him walk right into, right into your house, right into your life, and just take over everything, little bit by little bit. Before long, you look around, and he owns it all. Romans 12 and 11. Paul challenges us. Paul's on it. Slothful in business. Um, do not be slothful in business, but rather fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, we, and, and a lot of times what Christians are standing for is stuff that doesn't even really matter. We we, we, we we rather stand for a tradition. Well, bless God, this is how we used to do it. And you want to stand on that rather than stand on the truth of what God says. We were so, we're so bent, bent about standing for a tradition and how it used to be and this and that and the other. And rather than saying, what is God doing today? You know? Tradition moves sometimes, you know. Everybody, you know, you're just, you know if, you're, if you're older, you might have had a Model T Ford. You ain't got one no more. That's tradition. That's what you had. Why ain't you still got one? You know, some people may if you have an older car. You know, but you got computers. We got phones. We, we, we move with everything. But when it comes to the church, we don't want to make any, any changes in our life. We got houses. We got cars. We got upgrades. We got computers. We got tech stuff. And we're willing to change everything but when it comes to... But you know what? It's, you know, but here's the thing. God never changes. It doesn't say the church isn't ever supposed to change. Now, when I say change, I'm not talking about changing this. I'm talking about how we reach people, how we do things, how we present all these things right here. This will never change, and I will never change from that. I, whenever I was a youth pastor, when I, matter of fact, when I went to, to White Oak, they, they, the pastor said, can you speak? I said, sure. So I went up there, and I had a, a glass that was just empty it was just clear and it just had water in it and this one was like psychedelic had all kind of cool colors on it and you know and stuff like that and I said this is what you're used to and this is me and everybody was like uh oh and I said but this is empty and I said but what you see and I took the water and poured it into the psychedelic glass and I said the inside never changes what you see changes so just trust me that I will never compromise this but it just may look different than you're used to it. Because I'm different, right? Romans 14. Who said amen? Greg? Gosh. He's supposed to be my man. 
For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. Observation four. Let me hurry. The Lord wants Christians to defend their ground or their territory. God is looking for people like Shammah to, to stand up. What, what he, well, it may look insignificant, but it was not insignificant to him. God is seeking Christians to be brave and courageous. In 2 Samuel um, 23 and 8, it says, Adino and Esnite, who was armed with a spear, stood against 800 men and slew every one of them. Sometimes we think that courage is just for firefighters, policemen, you know, and, and soldiers. And they are. They're so courageous. But you feel like that, that's the courageous one. I'm not courageous. We're taught to play it safe and not be courageous. But I love, I love this. Well, before I tell you what I love, let me read this. Too. Because, because, because that we play it safe, we fear our lives. We fear failure. We fear rejection. We fear growing broke. We feel being alone. We fear humiliation. We, feel, we fear public um, speaking. We fear being ostracized by our family and friends. We fear um, the physical discomfort and fear regret and fear of success. All because we're scared to take a stand on what is right. I'm not saying something controversial. I'm saying what the Bible says. We've got to be courageous. Ambrose Redmoon. I don't know who he is, but I love what he said. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather that the judgment that something else is more important than the fear you're facing. Man, if you're walking somewhere and you have your child with you, and you're walking through an area where maybe you're, you're, you're scared, you know, you know, it's nighttime, it's dark somewhere, and you're walking through the you know, parking lot of the mall or something, and you kind of have a little bit of fear in there, which we shouldn't, but you, you do at this point. You're walking, and somebody grabs your child. All fear leaves. Be yeah, right? Because all of a sudden, something is greater than that fear. You, you know, you, the, the judgment for something is, something is more important than the fear. I have the fear, but there's something more important than that fear right now. And we've got to get to that place that there's things that's more important than the fear in our lives, that we can't walk in fear. Joshua 1 and 9, and it's up there on that wall right there. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou go. We need to ask God for courage. Ask Him for boldness. God is wanting us to fight even when we're weary. 2 Samuel 23 and 9, it says, Eleazar, the son of Dodo, and the Ahonite, um, who fought so long against the Philistines that his hand went into a spasm. You, you, ever, you ever went worked in a yard and you're not used to working in a yard and your, your hand does like that right there and you're like, ah, you get a cramp in your, you ever done that before? I did, I did it the other day. I'm not used to doing what y'all work. And so it cramped and it gets like right there and I just, you have to literally pull that tendon out, right? And so, so that's what happened. He was fighting so hard that his hand went into a spasm, and it says it clave to his sword. It, he couldn't even open his hand. His hand was just, it was, he, it was just, he, he couldn't just sling it out of his hand because his hand was, he was fighting so hard. God uses people who are willing to go the extra mile, the second mile, and being able to work extra hours. And even though I'm tired, and even though I'm weary, I'm still going to serve. I'm still going to do good. I'm still going to help. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says again, the things that he suffered as a minister or a servant of Jesus. He said, in weariness and in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He's saying, man, I went through it all, but I stood strong. I fought for my ground. I, even though I was weary, even though I was naked, even though I was painful, I kept fighting. I did not give up ground. In 2 Corinthians 15 um, and 58, Paul gives us admonition against the hope of the resurrection. Therefore, my brothers, beloved brethren, 
Be ye steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that the labor is, um, is not in vain for the Lord. We have to be immovable and stand on our ground and say, no, we're not going to give this up. The Bible's full of testimonies like Abraham, excuse me, and Sarah, Nehemiah, and Esther. But at the end of Paul's letter to Rome, in the book of Romans, he sends, a, he sends appreciation to some people that stood their ground. In Romans 16, 3 and 4, he said, Paul said, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Priscilla and Aquila, they fought. They, get, they laid down their lives for, 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 um, for Paul. They, they worked with him, and they, they helped him stand their ground. And he's giving them props, and he's giving them, hey, man, good job. Bravo Zulu for that. And then the last one, the last thing I want to say is when we stand up for God, we can be assured of his divine help. In verse 12, the second part, it says, And the Lord wrought a great victory. Shammah stood his ground, and because Shammah stood his ground, God gave him the victory. God fought the battle. You may not have heard of Shammah, but I know a lot of you right now are saying, I think I've heard of that somewhere. No, you haven't. You haven't heard it from who he is. You know where you heard it from? Last week. Jehovah Shammah. See, some of y'all thought, oh, I think I know that. No, so that's where it is. You probably hadn't ever read this scripture or even heard of him. But Jehovah Shammah, the God that is there, that's where his name comes from. The God that is there. He, you know, because Shammah stood there and God was there with him and fought with him and fought in the battle. And he allowed Jehovah Nisi, the banner, the victory, to be there, Jehovah Sabaoth, to fight the battle. Right? See how, see when you know these words, isn't it cool how you can look at stories and it all comes together? Lord, we, we ask God, you know, we, we often say, God, where were you when I needed you? Instead of that question, why don't we start asking, Lord, where was I when I needed you? Was I where I needed to be at when I needed you? But we want to throw it out on God. God, where were you when I needed you? And he's, and he's like, you know, he's like, no, that's just not, not, that's not right. You know, um, I was right there beside you. I was, you know, you know. Uh, let's see here. Well, I had. Oh, okay. Um, God would say, "Without faith, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible to please God." So, where were you at? Did you have the faith you needed to fight that? You needed me, but where were you at? Had you been praying? Have you been reading your Bible? Or you were you far from me? And now you want to blame me for it? Because the Word of God says that you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You take a step, and He comes near you. He's not. He's like I said. He's not going to push Himself on you. Go ahead. How often we forfeit the presence of the living God in our lives and lose the victory because of it. Second Chronicles, my last scripture, and I'm done. Second Chronicles 16 and 9, first A, the first part there. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. He's looking. The Bible says that God is looking all over the earth. To show himself strong for someone who is willing to stand their ground and willing to fight. Okay, oh, you're ready to stand your ground? You're ready, you're ready to defend your, 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 your little pea patch? Well, you know what? Then I'm going to show myself strong to you, and I'm going to wrought victory for you. So it's time we as Christians stop giving up ground to the enemy. It's time as us as a church stop giving up ground to the enemy. 
and letting offense and all these other things come in our hearts and destroy our relationship with God and restore our, and destroy our relationship with our brothers and sisters because of offense and all this and that. And we got to stand strong and say, I'm going to stand here. And Satan, you can't have this relationship. Satan, you can't have in my, my mind, you can't have my children, and so whatever it may be for you. But it's time for you to stand your ground. And in prayer today, and you're at home as well, if you are willing today to say, I'm going to be like Shama, and I'm going to stand my ground against the enemy and all that he's coming against me, I'm not going to ask you to come up. If you just would stand up and stand, stand you know, footed side, side by side, just stand up. And, and if you want to do that and say, hey, I'm standing, and I'm willing to stand for God. Amen. Whoever, whoever across the whole house would want to stand. Just saying, I'm willing to stand. Amen, amen. And let's go to God in prayer. Oh, I'll have me scared for a second. Nobody at Bruce stand up at first. I thought you were, I was like, good God. A bunch of wimps in this church. No, but look at these, look at all these warriors. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these warriors that are standing before me that are willing to be like Shama and know that you are there. And be Lord Jesus, standing strong that you are Jehovah Shaboeth and you're going to fight our battles. And God, that you, that you will give us, Jehovah Nisi, the, the banner over us is love and you will give us the victory that we need. As they fight their battles, God, help them to stand strong and listen to Paul's words of admonition, God. And stand strong and not back down and not retreat, but come against the enemy strong and kick down the gates of hell and take back all those things that they've lost. Let today begin a day that they go, they, 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 even their car ride home or on the way home tonight or wherever in their bed tonight. Let them have a face to face and in the name of Jesus begin to take back in their spirit things that they've lost. Whether it be their joy, their peace, their love, their family, their friends, their, their children, whatever it may be. And say, I'm not going to give up my child to you Satan I'm not because in, in times and in, in situations I'm not going to give up my family I'm not going to give up my loved one that person that you know that's on the way to hell that person that's sick we're going to stand strong and say no and we know when it comes to people that are sick you know everything's in God's hands with that but still until God says different we're going to stand strong on that premise and on that land and say no Satan we're going to believe that God bless them today Touch them today as they stand, and they're standing up right now proclaiming against Satan that they're willing to stand strong and stand on their, on their field and on their property and not give it up to Satan, that it will be God's property. That it will be God's property. And God, you will have their back. You will be there with them, and you will fight with them, and they will win the victory. Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God.